The Paternity Test is a comedy podcast for adults. If you're not a grown-up, get off the internet. It's a horrible place. From Illinois and New York, it's the Paternity Test. This week, Hulkamania pins Gawker. Three shingles, please. Paddles to show how sad you are. And Luke Skywalker shops for groceries. And now, three guys who can't wait to eat that thing they're going to eat today. Here are the dads. Hello and welcome to episode 34 of The Paternity Test. I'm Todd Jay in the Chicago suburbs. I'm Matt Barese in Chicago. And I'm Dave Engel in upstate New York. Welcome back to the podcast that is really sorry it released the Hawk Hogan sex tape. Man, I feel Oops. bad for my buddies at Gawker. That Hey, they made their own choice. They made their bed with Bubba the Love Sponge's wife and now they've got to sleep in it. Yep. Ugh. Gross. She was pretty cute though. How old was she? I don't know, 50s? They won't say the 60s? deal. As, as part of the legal wrangling, they basically won't say how this tape got started. Like if this was all a big pervy agreement between all of them, or if this was secret taping, you know, was this an affair? Or was this some kinky goings on? What's really weird is that all this is coming out in 2016 and not 1986. Yeah. Like I would expect a sex scandal with Hulk Hogan back when he was fighting under the giant not when he was fighting Mm -hmm. osteoporosis (laughs) (laughs) you know him trying to step up to the witness stand with his walker yeah i really thought this would be a love triangle between randy macho man savage the lovely elizabeth and hulk hogan not bubba the love sponge some old woman in hulk hogan (laughs) i know didn't miss elizabeth die isn't she gone yeah so macho man did she do steroids? What was her deal? She did lots of drugs. Almost everyone from the WWF is dead now, like from the the heyday, from the 80s. Like, what's the right. statistic that 80% of the people on WrestleMania 3 are dead? Oh and it's gosh, a combination really? of steroids and cocaine. Like, your heart explodes. And sometimes your wife shoots you, and sometimes you shoot yourself after shooting your wife, and sometimes you flip your car. And sometimes you have gigantism, and your heart explodes. What about the Hulk? How is he still alive? Right. Hulkamania. That must be it. It's the Hulkamania yeah. that kept, yeah. <laughs> keeps his heart keeping him alive. alive. <laughs> he has a heart attack and he does that thing. Like someone comes into the room, he's laying on the bed and they lift up his arm. It drops down. They lift yeah. it up again. He starts shaking it. <laughs> <laughs> he starts shaking both of his fists and gets back up. He's like, oh, brother. This heart can't keep me Someday down. Someday will be at his funeral. The lid of the coffin will flip open. He'll sit up straight, <laughs> tear off his suit, and then do that thing where he flips his hand around and cups his ear. The congregation will go wild. They'll, go, they'll all cheer. <laughs> <laughs> his kids will weep. And they'll take the priest and break his back over his knee. Real American <laughs> playing from the choir. <laughs> was that what his song was? think so i wonder if i'm a song. real american well there you go Fight for the rights of every man there were a lot of great american songs in the 80s lee greenwood song born in the usa it's a weird time what to did we be... need all that patriotism for it wasn't I even i like, was about to say i don't know even, it was pretty well peacetime in in the in the 80s until uh, until cold war well oh i guess so yeah, i guess, I guess we were trying you know over. Right, it was keeping us diligent in case we all had become the Wolverines. I was right. so ready for that, by the way. I, I feel I was well-trained all my Saturdays in the Forest Preserves. Do you remember when everyone put yellow ribbons on trees you during the Vietnam? Gulf War? Gulf War. Uh, I do remember that. <laughs> was that a... It's good that we didn't do it in the most recent Gulf War because there'd be yellow ribbons everywhere for a super long time. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? I don't think... I, look, if it had happened in... World War Two, because I know people used to put stars in their windows if they had a, a soldier. In the, if you died, right? I think they just put it in there if you were in the war. Because I remember they did that in my hometown during the first Gulf War. They would print in the newspapers, they'd print stars, and you could put them in your windows. So I hope, so I hope 
they weren't giving free stars for people whose kids had died because that would be <laughs> horrible. Who wants a star? Who wants a star? How about you? You, ma'am, you look sad. People are burning their newspapers. It's but awesome yeah. If you, if you, you know, put something in your window or around a tree for the Gulf War, the first Gulf War, or like, you know, the invasion of Grenada. Because, right. you know, it, it's, it's going to be up and down quicker than your Christmas decorations. I know. It's like, yeah, it's like dressing it for a holiday. Now it's time for So Now You're Old. That's the part of the show where we remember that we used to be young. Hello, everybody. So I used to be young, and I, I've realized lately... I'm old. I'm old. <laughs> lately, I've just... Getting these big... These big... Uh, goiters? Ro- ro- rotations. Of hemorrhoids? Hemorrhoids, goiters, plaque buildup <laughs> on my teeth and in my arteries. Liver spots. Yeah. Ear Liver hair. spots, ear hair. Lately, I've just been, you know, kind of punching, punching in and punching out. And uh, I was talking. You're so old, you don't even have it in you for the segment I don't even know how to start the segment. <laughs> but I've been feeling just like it's Groundhog Day and that old cliche, you know. Um, you go to bed just so you can wake up and do the same thing over and over again. And I was in one of my classes uh, the other day, uh, one of my theater classes. Actually, it was an acting class. And I'm talking to one of the kids that they have to be angry at somebody. And this isn't, the, and I, I said, you know, when was the last time you unloaded on somebody? You know, when was the last time you yelled at somebody? And they're like, I don't know if I've ever yelled at somebody. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, and I'm thinking, really? And I actually, I actually said, I was like, really? Never yelled at anybody? And they're like, no, I don't think so. I'm like, man, I haven't yelled at And like, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking out loud in class. I'm like, I haven't yelled at anybody since New York City. And like, you yelled at somebody? I'm like, <laughs> yeah. Got in a fight with somebody, not a fist fight, just like an argument with someone about parking. And I was thinking back to this on my own. And it's, you know, I'm 40 now and I, I moved out of the city in my mid thirties and kind of gave up on living in the city <laughs> uh, in my early thirties. Full stop. Because uh, I got married and I was with my wife anyway before that. So really, my twenties was the last time where I had that sort of male aggression, right? Like you, you lose that over the years, and I had it at a time when I lived in New York City, which is the most aggressive city in America. And it wasn't like I ever, I didn't get into fist fights, but there were many times when, you know, you're driving, you cut somebody off, they yell at you, you yell at them, you put it, you're, someone almost hits you with their car, you put a fist into their, in the hood of their car. There's a lot of opportunities like, to be angry in New York. There's City. a lot of opportunities to be angry and there's a lot of opportunities to yell at someone in New York City and know they're going to yell back at you and you're just sort of, you're both just sort of going through the cultural motion. You're not worried that they've got a gun or that, you know, they're going to get out and you're going to fight. It's not really, it doesn't enter into it. It's just that you're both sort of saving face and moving on. Um, but now that I have kids and I live in a sort of a small town, that part of me had to sort of in, end that I'm 40, all this sort of washed away. And I, I realized it's been a while since I've had sort of a moment with someone before. Well, in New York like our- City, you can have those moments somewhat anonymously because it's yeah. so big you're it's you're not going to run into the same person you know normally you're going to yell at someone right. in a taxi and then they're going to go on their way and exactly you'll never see him again you'll never see him again and you're both going to have like you can't do that in your neighborhood now because you know everybody day. everybody knows right. you well i remember like walking through the met um walking over by the metropolitan museum of art and I'm walking, and this other guy's walking, and we've got all the space in the world. But we're just sort of walking towards each other. And almost like I could tell our shoulders were going to run into each other. And sure enough, we like our shoulders, we totally checked each other. <laughs> it didn't make any sense. And then we sort of like turned around and stared each other down for a second. And then we both kept walking. You just wanted to feel alive again. We just, just wanted, wanted to feel, feel anything. Right. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, just cut me, man. Just cut me. <laughs> I wasn't looking for trouble, and I'm sure he wasn't either. It was just one of those moments where, I don't know, I, I can't imagine having something like that happen now. New York gives you a, a pass because you every block you see two people 
in a, some kind of dust up. You yeah. know, some, somebody in a cabbie stop. They both get out of the cars and they're in a shoving match. I mean, or literally break, every block and a half. Yeah. Or a breakup or. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's nothing better than watching people break up on a New York City street. <laughs> that is. Oh, my God. That is better than better than most off Broadway shows. If you can find people breaking up on a New York City street, there's no telling. Or you and I have sat and watched people fist fight before. Absolutely. Um, and <laughs> and I'm not. By the way, I'm not even an, an aggressive person. I'm not even a violent person. I'm just say, saying that that city allows you to sort of vent your hostilities. And I just have noticed that I I don't really have that in now, me do you think anymore. It's- is it a lack of testosterone? Is it sense of safety for your, like, staying alive for your children? Or is it wisdom? I'm thinking it's not wisdom. Like, is it a sense that, like, it's not worth it? Or is it a, oh, I don't have the energy? Or is it a, I must stay alive for the children? Or is it something other than those three? I think it's a little bit of all of those. I think it's the wisdom a little bit. I think I think I'm literally not the man I used to be because my testosterone is probably low. And I also think that it's also part of knowing I'm in a small town and the person I cut off who honks at me. All right, is your kid's teacher or is Yeah, your- exactly. Like if I flip them off in 2 years, they'll say, "Hi, I'm your kid's mm-hmm. kindergarten teacher." I'm the head How of the PTA. Yeah. Right, exactly. <laughs> I live in Chicago and am tempered not by that there's still the anonymity of a city, but there's the extra danger of Chicago because in New York is like you know in Manhattan anyway, in most of Brooklyn, it's all performative. It's like right. let's go through the fake fight motions. Let's right. throw each other around a little bit. Let's slam somebody on a hood of a car. Let's push somebody down. Let's you know <laughs> maybe throw a punch. Maybe. Uh, but it's all it's hand to hand combat. Right, mano y mano. Here somebody's got a piece. You know what I mean? Like you're right. gonna get killed, and that that holds me back. More than certainly the lack of testosterone holds me back. To some degree, always having a child on me helps. Uh, yes. And then fear of death helps. Like imminent fear of death helps. Um, yes. I feel like I might still get in a fight in New York. Could, and it would I, be a, a great feeling. When I occasionally flip out now, and, and now it's instead of every few hours, it's well, once a year, once every couple of years. <laughs> Uh, it's, it's usually at so a homeless good. person, so they're not. Yeah, you know. who are they going to complain to? Hmm? Who's their advocate? <laughs> Nobody. You got no friends. You got no lawyer. You're malnourished. What are you going to come at me? There <laughs> you <Yeah>. Malnourished. <laughs> your bones are brittle. <laughs> but you, I remember. You punch me and your arm's going to break. <laughs> uh, Dave, you told a story on this show a couple weeks ago about your big. Oh, you live with me, and then I had a crummy roommate who got us in trouble for right. subletting to you, and then you went out and you lived with that girl, and then you got homelessified by the girl, or maybe the yeah. maybe I've got the order backwards. In that story, I threw around that roommate. We got in a big fight, and I like threw him through a desk, and we, you know, had a little dust up. What I had forgotten until I listened to the podcast back is that before him, the reason this strange roommate moved in is that when. My roommate, Jeff, and I got this apartment. It was a triple. And this is just like what happened if you were at our live show. You heard the story of, of uh, Dave and I always swapping out third roommates like it was three's company junior year of college. Jeff and I got this apartment in the village, and it already had a person in it when we signed up for it. But the rooms were assigned. And when I got there, he was in the room assigned to me, which was a much better room than the room assigned to him. Like I had a window, you know this room, Dave. I had a window facing the Twin Towers, yep. which was an awesome room to have on September 11th, and yeah. facing a naked chick across the street on the a floor down who was always naked. And so when I walked in and this guy's stuff was in my room, I wrote a note that said, get your stuff out of my room, but with a bunch <laughs> of F words. And then I saw that he'd been eating an apple with a, with a knife, with like a uh-huh. steak knife. Oh, so I jammed the note into his bedroom door with the <laughs> knife. Did you even try to have a conversation with him first? No. <laughs> he might have been a really nice guy. Uh, <laughs> you should have thought about that before he took my room. And I think, I mean, y- yes, I was in my 20s, and yes, I 
and probably mentally imbalanced, but like I think the New Yorkness of it has something to do with that. Absolutely, because like I, that's the operating procedure. Yeah, SOP. When I, when I lived with Laurel, I remember one year after Christmas, someone had brought down their Christmas tree, and there were uh, needles all over the stairwell, and for whatever reason, that set me off. And so I wrote a note and left it on the the door <laughs> downstairs, like, dear. Horrible human being. I hope you know this is completely unacceptable. And I just went on forever. And then there was a polite note from someone I knew upstairs. I was like, hey, Dave, uh, sorry about the mess. I was in the process of cleaning it up when you wrote this note. Relax. <laughs> I went upstairs to get a broom. Right. You wrote, I hope you want a pine needle enema. Right. And yeah. And so I was embarrassed and I apologized. But. That was, I, yeah, my trigger was a lot shorter in New York. Uh, I was going to say, Dave, Dave, at least he has those experiences to pull from. Now he's got students who's probably their biggest disappointment is when they can't sign on to Xbox Live because the Internet's down or something. That's the thing. I mean, when I work with really students. get angry? Can they right. get angry? Can they? I think I probably was asking the wrong question, right? I mean, you don't have to murder someone to pretend you've murdered someone you know it, it should have been more about can you can you imagine being this angry it is odd to work with students who have or are pulling from such a uh, and i don't mean this in a derogatory way but such a shallow well of experience experience and it's it's a refreshing thing in some ways but in others you're like oh well come back in 15 years and we'll do the scene again and see how it's different. We were doing Titanic and everyone in the show is married to someone and all the kids have the, the you know, the, the hook arms. Like when they're with their wife or husband, they hook their arms together like they're in a prom photo. I thought you meant like pirates. Uh, no, well, it was maybe ship, like but... barrel of monkeys. Like their arms were in an <laughs> S shape as they walked across the stage. <laughs> no, but you we couldn't there wasn't time enough to work with every single student i mean how do you explain how do you explain to a student how you're supposed to hold someone or touch someone that you've been with for 20 years or that you've been intimate with or how do you broach those conversations you've got time and appropriateness working against you so well i i think it may be why high school kids overact because they're like oh all this emotion is happening so i must externalize it what yeah. they don't realize when you're an adult is when terrible things happen to you, you just die inside. Emoting and externalizing is for the young. Grown yeah. ups just crumple hold, on a hold it inside and die. Soul level. Yeah. <laughs> hey folks, you're already shop on Amazon. Why not put those dollars to work keeping this show on the air? Here's how you do it when you want to buy something on Amazon. Go to paternitypodcast.com. That's our show's website. Click on the support link and when you do you will see a box that says Amazon. Click on that box. Amazon will open up. You can log into your Prime. You can do whatever you want. Shop for things. Amazon knows you came through our website. And because they know you came through our website, they are going to give us a portion of their profits on everything you buy. And we use that to pay for the show. You don't pay extra. You don't sign up for anything. You just do your shopping. Just go to our website first, and we get money. And that's how we make the show go. Guys, I want to talk about a product. Well, I, I don't know if it's available on Amazon. I bet it is. It's a really stupid thing I'm about to say. I'm hoping some people will come along with me. I opened up the cupboard, and the baby said she wanted oatmeal. So I opened the cupboard, and I saw there was a box of that Quaker. What do you call the instant oatmeal that has been around since we were kids? Quaker instant oatmeal. Right, in the, po- in the, in the pouches, right? In the brown yeah. paper pouches. Made one. It was either apple and cinnamon or maple and brown sugar. Mm. Tasted it. The greatest food on earth. Yeah, and like, I go, I, you know, I'm a food snob, and I go to those restaurants where they use molecular gastronomy to make a foam at your table, or they shoot a laser at a cocoa bean, or they serve you hand-fed, farm-raised human child ceviche that they just killed in the kitchen yeah. just then. So good. When I eat that Quaker oatmeal, I want, I'm like, cancel all the food. Cancel, close all the restaurants, cancel all the food. <laughs> this is it, man. This is so good. And you're talking about the one that comes in a little pouch that you... Yeah. So just like the, not not the real oats that you... No, but, but screw the, the real oats, man. The pouch. Yeah, the real oats suck. It's the stuff <laughs> in this, it's the sugary... You're not a farmer. 
What is it? Yeah. <laughs> so there's. I used to grow up. Uh, I used to grow up. That doesn't make any sense. It was you a don't staple. Really grow up anymore. No, so. I grow out. But uh, <laughs> the, the peaches and cream was a staple in our house. The instant oatmeal, mm. the Quaker instant oatmeal, mm-hmm. peaches and cream was a staple. I mean, that was a go-to meal. If someone didn't want to feed us or anything, we'd have to make our own thing. We always had that, and the, or the blueberry one was good too. But I remember the blueberry peaches and one. cream specifically was really good. But the brown sugar and cinnamon one would probably be my second favorite. There's a new development in oatmeal in a pouch technology. No. And maybe you guys are already on top of this, but on the side of the pouch, so you you tear the top off like you're in a Civil War reenactment. Sure. And you pour the powder into the bowl. <laughs> then there's a fill line on the on the pouch, and you put water from the sink in the pouch. Oh. And it tells you how much water you need, and then you pour that in, and you don't have to get a measuring cup. It's wow. all there that is in the pouch. a huge step in instant oatmeal technology. It's right? Huge. It's like being an astronaut. It's <laughs> unbelievable. I'd ask what they'd think of next, but now there's nothing left to think of. <laughs> We've reached peak humanity. It's I always over. added milk, by the way, instead of water. Ugh. You're a monster. <laughs> <laughs> We're not Jeez. friends anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it made it better. Plus the fact you, you chose peaches and cream over... You That's know, just what was in our house. Or... Yeah, apples and cinnamon I would probably prefer. But we oh, always the had one with raisins in it? Yeah. Of course, Todd picked the sweetest one. Like, peaches and cream was definitely the, the one closest to candy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Dried fruit. I just, I would pray every night that they'd come out with a Sour Patch uh, oatmeal, instant <laughs> oatmeal pack for me the next day. Right, <laughs> Swedish fish oatmeal. <laughs> <laughs> I probably would have eaten one that was... Uh, Mushroom and basil, if they had it. Yeah. Oh, mm, rosemary. <laughs> so, is this going to become part of your morning routine now? You're going for the pouch. I might eat it all three meals. It's uh oh, look at this on Amazon. Fifty-two packet box for thirty bucks. Whoa, prime. I could have it here before I go to sleep. Yeah, you could be eating it by the end of the show. <laughs> Hey, everybody, if you like the paternity test, please help us tell other people about it. Spread the good news of the paternity test. Uh, Also, you can make sure to help us out by subscribing on iTunes or however you listen to your podcast, whether on your iPhone or Android device. If you do use iTunes, please go there and leave us a review. It's quick and it's easy, and it does help other people find us. Read our paternity test blog at chicagoparent.com and our monthly column, Viva Daddy, in Chicago Parent Magazine. Your children's therapist will thank you. And now it's time for the Boop Bop Beat. That's where we 10 CLS, 20, print Todd, 30, go to 20, 40, end. Some uh, fancy programming language. I'll tell you what. So I, I did a, 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 I don't know if you call it a home improvement project. It was a repair. We have, we get some nasty windstorms out here in the far western suburbs, out here in farmland. There's nothing to stop the wind. Nothing. Nothing. Not a single thing. Houses or trees. Well, our house, <laughs> apparently, because it's sitting in my couch with my, Back to the windows, I could feel the wind on the back of my neck, even with all the with all the windows closed. And it's actually better now. There used to not be any houses behind us, and they built some just to block the wind. I think, but because it was so bad, <laughs> <laughs> better build more houses. Cost not even people in them. It's like a Potemkin village. It's just a facade of houses. How's uh, the wind, Todd? <laughs> more houses. More houses. <laughs> I'm gonna go to my fake job. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. They actually employ full time people to inhabit the houses, yeah. but they're really only there to block the wind from yeah. my house. It's like the Truman Show. They don't really <laughs> just get paid to show up every day and pick the pick the newspaper up off the lawn. Uh, well, there was a time when they were building your area, Todd, where you took me up on the roof of your school, and mm-hmm. you said, "Hey, look east," and it was suburban sprawl that literally reached to Chicago and to Lake Michigan. Yeah, and then you said, "Look west," and there was a tractor. Driving through a virgin field. Yeah, we were we were riding like the crest of the wave of the suburban sprawl out west when we got here. Yeah, and it's passed it's us up now. Out there, it was like the nothing and the never-ending story. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's washed over us. I mean, it's gotten to the point now where we have every chain, you know, restaurant and store, big box store that you could want. Three of them actually. If you do a 360-degree circle off my roof, you can see three of each of them. The next, the next big thing that come to our neighborhood is a Tide dry cleaners, which I've never seen an actual what? one before. So Tide, I guess, has started this chain of dry cleaners, and people love them. People swear by them, like laundry service and dry cleaners. 
Rather than like you know, usually it's the the small independently owned one. Now the tide has decided that they they'll they'll have no more of that. No more small mom and pop dry cleaners. Now they must right. they're the Walmart of dry cleaners. They're no more Chinamen in our neighborhood. This is getting off off task here, off point. So the last windstorm that came through here, which is blowing 50, 60 mile an hour gusts, blew some shingles off my roof. So, you know, at first I'm like, well, my roof is kind of steep. You know, besides being very tall, it's kind of steep. It's steeper than like the roofs I grew up on, you know, when I lived on roofs. <laughs> grew up on <laughs> Well, I say that because when I was a kid in, in my, you know, in my in in my far south suburban uh, neighborhood in Stager, <laughs> Illinois, go, go up there to cry. We would <laughs> a Polak on the roof sounds crazy, no? But here in Chicago Heights, we do a lot of crazy things. Sunrise, sunset. Hey, over there, over by there. Come with me, won't you, on my journey through my past. <laughs> Oh, look, there's little Todd right now reading pornographic magazines he found in the woods. Uh, Smoking cigarettes he stole from the Ben Franklin. (laughs) I only stole candy from the Ben Franklin. Yeah, Uh, but cigarettes are a better story. Well, we used to get up on on the roofs. like We'd play on roofs. That was a fun thing to do. So we jump from like garage. All the garages are real close to each other. So you could jump from one garage to the next one. And uh, sure, you got to practice for running from the police later in life. Yeah, moving to the city. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, in my experience, those roofs were not very steep. Well, mine is pretty steep. I've gone up there to do Christmas lights and things, and Kelly's always very worried about me falling off. There's three shingles missing. I do not want to call a roofer for three shingles. And the reason that this is a technology segment is because it made me realize that you don't really have to be an expert in anything anymore like you just i could i watched a five minute video on how to properly like done by a roofing company which i don't know if you're if you're a roofing company i don't know why you're showing people how to do what they should pay you to do Mm -hmm. but this roofing company guy did a segment you know on on youtube and how to repair missing shingles and everything in everything you got to do and the right way to seal them and this and that and it was maybe he does a really bad job so he wants people to I guess so. Just he probably left stuff. out a very important part, you know, one very important step that's going to cause my house to flood uh, next <laughs> at the next time it rains. But, you know, I'm getting ready to leave on a 10-day trip, so I'm like, i got to get this fixed before I leave. So I watch a five-minute video, and, and next thing you know, I'm on my roof installing shingles. It was fantastic. Now, I did have to put Ellie on the ground. I said, Ellie, sit in the backyard in case Daddy falls off the roof. You can run inside and call mm-hmm. 911. <laughs> Call it hers. And I wonder if she would have been able to or if she would have been so horrified by, like, my mangled body on the patio (laughs) that she'd have to step over me to get to the phone if she just would have just walked away. I think she's waiting for the moment that I think every time you go outside with a snow shovel, she's like, well, better get out a nice dress for the the (laughs) funeral. Right. You went up on that roof. She's like, there he goes. And then you fall off the roof. And there it is. Then she goes in (laughs) 911. She's got the funeral home on speed dial. Mm Mm-hmm. Not well, the ambulance, the funeral. <laughs> well, there was uh, there was another thing that we, I oh like how to get dents out of uh, stainless steel refrigerators, you know, oh. uh, which if you have little kids, probably happens a lot because they just walk by with whatever they have in their hands, swinging, you know. But I guess there's this hot and cold method you could use where you use a, you know, like a heat gun or a hair dryer and 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 heat 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 the dent up a lot, and then you take a can of compressed air and turn it upside down so that like. The coolant comes out when you spray it, and it, it cools it real fast, and that causes the dent to pop out. Huh. All kinds of crazy. I guess that's how they do some car rep- some dentless, some paintless uh, dent repair on cars, too. They get it oh. real hot, and then they freeze it real fast, and it just goes boop. Oh, I got to do that. I got a dent I got to take out. Yeah, so, and if it's on a plastic bumper, you can just heat it out and push it out from the backside. But if it's on a, a, the steel part, I get, I've, I've seen videos where you could do that. So it's just amazing to me that 90% of what you probably need done in your house, if you're willing to actually sit down and watch the videos and learn, you can learn to do it yourself. Mm-hmm. And, That's uh, like you've coined a new phrase. What did I, what did I say? Do it yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Trademark that fast. Man, and if you really, you can also abbreviate it, I guess. D-I-Y-S. Cost, it did cost me like 30 bucks in shingles, but I did have to go to Menards, which... So it cost me 30 bucks in, like, shingles and adhesive and nails. You couldn't buy three shingles? 
They don't do that. <laughs> I guess not. Well, and then I go like so. Three shingles, please. So when you go to Menard, <laughs> exactly. I was hoping I could. So, but when you go to Menards, that kind of stuff they keep outside, so you have to pay for it inside. Then you drive around to their like shingle loading shingle dock. loading dock. Well, you got to load them yourself. But I find the pallets of shingles, and sitting on top is like an open thing of an open bundle that yeah. has you know the plastic stripped off, and it's they're not going to be able to sell it. Like, why can't they just let me buy three of these loose shingles? A little Polish devil appears on your shoulder. Todd, take them. Take them. Take, take the shingles. It's three shingles. They're not even going to know they're gone. <laughs> take your big, meaty hands. They'll never see the shingle inside your fingers. Uh, little angel Todd appears. Don't do it, you freaking scumbag. You can't buy one box of shingles. What do you go to work for? The shingles were $16. I think that, you know, a little tube of it, of, of the adhesive and the, and the box of nails were like another uh, five bucks total. But then, of course, you know, Menards. For I know some, where you're going with this. They, they also have a nice assortment of Sprecher mm. soda mm-hmm. and candy. So then you bought $30 worth <laughs> yeah, $30 of 10-pound bags of Whoppers. And uh, circus peanuts. Ugh, God. <laughs> I actually haven't had a circus peanut. I can't remember the last time. I just, just sound... you're not a World War Two. I mean, a World War One veteran. <laughs> Let me tell you, what it, whatever it was, the one, the last one you had is still somewhere in your colon. I did have a so you know I've Sprecher root beer is great. I've had that. I've had their cream. So I really wanted a cream soda. They didn't have any. They had a great a Sprecher grape soda. I'm like, that's got to be good, right? My daughter's with me, and she gets one too. I've never had. A more grapey tasting grape drink in the history of grape drinks. It was. You mean that a good way or bad way? I don't really know, honestly. Like if you like grape crush as a just occasional treat, you go. That's so grapey tasting. This was like five times sweeter than that, and it, it was it was pretty much like drinking jelly. And like if you just could liquefy a jar of jelly down to just you know so you could just swig it, I think that's what it was. Wow. Um, they said it was Concord grapes and... Uh, oh, Concord grapes, the extra gross grape. Yes, Concord grapes and a, t- a touch of uh, Wisconsin raw honey. Oh, because um, it's a Wisconsin microbrew. Yes. and uh, But anyway, it was oh so sweet. I mean, I like sweet stuff, but this was a little much for me even, if you could believe that. There's such a thing? Yeah, I found it. Sprecher grape soda. <laughs> So there's so I'm encouraged by a couple things. One, any home repairs I need to do, I'll be able to learn them on online from now on. I'm gonna. I, I want to be more. I, I've. I, I want to do more at home. I don't feel like I do enough of the. I see other guys in the neighborhood. They're out every weekend working in the yard or doing some kind of improvement on their house. They're switching out their. They're switching out the the porch lights that came with the house ten years ago to something a little more modern and chic looking and making their house look nice. I'm just like, well, ours still works, so screw it. But uh, maybe I should do more of that around the house. But is this your desire to work around the house no. talking, or is this the knowledge that you're going to get a grape soda and well, a, and you, a, and you a beat ten pound my... box of uh, Cadbury eggs? <laughs> you beat me to my second point, which was I could learn how to do everything I need to do online, and then I get to go to Menards to buy supplies <laughs> and Sprecher sodas and candy. <laughs> Yeah, because all all that's going to be on the credit card statement is Menards. <laughs> you know, it's right. like yeah, I had to get, I had, I had to go get some uh, some uh, fasteners for those those new light fixtures you wanted. Man, they were thirty <laughs> bucks. Yeah, price of steel well, must have gone up. <laughs> that's that's the whole reason I go to Home Depot is because it's like it's a thirty minute trip minimum. Mm-hmm. You know, so I get out of the house by myself. <sighs> Some of the Home Depots will have like hot dog carts in in the lobby as you're coming or going for the contractors during the day. They yeah. grab a couple of hot dogs and the chips or something. Yeah. And uh that's that's hard to pass up too. Cuz I love a vendor hot dog, you know what I mean? The yeah. guy that's been sitting in that dirty water for 48 hours. Yeah. Yeah, I get those at uh if I go to Home Depot, I'm there at the Vienna Beef stand. Mhm. God, that sounds great. They had those uh in New York, but they don't have them Really? I figure they give you a dozen wings and a pizza. Uh, no, they don't give you anything. They, there's nothing. Home Depot why. lacks in its in its snacking. You know, they don't compare mm-hmm. to Menards when it comes to Menards snacking. is the place. Forget uh, what else. There's one more big company out here. There's Lowe's. 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 Home Depot. They might have. They might have a small, you know, refrigerator of. Soda, no, it's but... all Menards. Menards is like it's crazy up by the register. The stuff they got. Oh yeah. 
and it changes too. So seasonal stuff. So you go up and there's your bag of jelly beans right now or whatever. Be three shingles and four dozen peeps. <laughs> Social media isn't just for dioramas of marshmallow peeps acting out plays. It's also for us. Like our page on Facebook, share our posts, and follow us on Pinterest, on Instagram at The Paternity Test, and on Twitter at The Dad Test. And you can send us a question or a comment for The Paternity Test mailbag. Just email us at paternitypodcast at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at our phone number 657-BAD-DADS. And now it's time for Cool Dad Luke, where we're putting them on over here, boss. Well, I want to talk about uh, my Cool Dad move for the weekend. But beforehand, I want to take one brief detour and uh, give you a tale from the hippie preschool. The hippie preschool prides itself on teaching the little children self-advocacy. So if your feelings are hurt or something's going wrong, you're supposed to tell people how you feel as opposed to these are like four-year-olds and three-year-olds so as as opposed to melting down or lashing out Mm -hmm. or hitting or falling on the ground so the good news is these kids at the hippie preschool seem to be a little more mature at dispute resolution at mediation and at self-advocacy the dangerous part is that in 16 years they're all going to be like these kids at oberlin who just demanded an apology from the school because they thought the poorly made sushi rolls in the cafeteria were cultural appropriation and emotional violence against them. What? Emotional violence. <laughs> Not a lie. <laughs> These... Not a lie. These California rolls offend me. <laughs> yeah. They said the wow. General So's chicken was an affront to the Chinese students and was, you know, was a, a microaggression and uh, they needed a trigger warning before bad... Uh, Ethnic food. So I'm afraid that that's who my daughter's going to be someday. But in the meantime, we got an email from the school, and they said, look, we've created a new tool, and it's a paddle for beating each other. Finally. Um, it's the I'm feeling left out stick. So if you see some kids playing, and they seem to not want to play with you, you run over and you get the paddle, and you run over and you hold it in the air, and it shows them that you're feeling left out. Oh. And they drew on the paddle. On one side of the, so it's a, you know, it's a paddle. It's like a ping pong paddle. And there's a stick drawing of a kid sitting in a chair and then a line bisecting the paddle. And on the other side of the, of the line are about five ki- stick children with their hands in the air. So they're like frolicking. Right. And the one kid, off is the other kid sitting lonely in a chair. And the kids are pre-literate. So the idea was that it, it symbolizes a kid feeling left out. Well, I was helping out. And they introduced the paddle, and they said to the kids, so here's our new tool. What do you think this picture means? And they looked at the paddle, and they said, all those kids are up- upset because that kid has a chair, and they don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what it means then, I guess. It's about inequities in, in uh, ownership. It's about yeah. redistribution of wealth. How come the 1% has a chair? All those right. kids don't have a chair. Where's our chair? Mm-hmm. We take that guy's chair, break it up into little pieces, and give a little piece of the chair to each of the other kids on the That's other right. side of the line. That's right. Cut the baby in half and give half to each parent. <laughs> so, cool, Dad Luke. Uh, this weekend, I'm, I'm stretching the word "cool" as far as it will go, but I brought Viva to C2E2, the Chicago Comic and Entertainment Expo, and we cosplayed. We dressed up as Lonely Luke. And Ray from the last scene of The Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. Wow. And we spent the weekend. We got the three-day pass. And we went wow. for two days to Comic-Con. All day. Your, your costumes were sick. Yeah, I did see one. pictures. Those were amazing pictures. Thanks, man. Thanks. I realized after the first day that I just... My hair wasn't gray. I put some gray in my hair, and I tried to do some age makeup and a, a robot hand, but it just didn't work out. So the second day, I lost the cloak, and I lost the makeup, and I just kind of looked like young Obi-Wan, like... Episode three, mm-hmm. Obi-Wan, and then everybody wanted their picture taken because I was a good Obi-Wan. But I wanted to get a Luke and Ray picture before I, before I did that. But uh, had a blast with the costumes. We went with our friends Isaiah and Jen, their little boys, uh, Ethan and Jackson. They were Darth Vader and Yoda, so we had a little Star Wars cortege moving through the, moving through the space. Man alive, was that fun. Now, I'll tell you, this cosplay thing, so the three of us all do theater. And it took a lot for me to get to a place where I could... Like, this is the first time I've ever dressed up for something, right? We went to the uh-huh. con last year. I just wore a Darth Vader T-shirt. But my problem is not, obviously, I 
have no problem with attention. Like everybody looking at me, my bread and butter, no problem. But because we're in theater, the embarrassment doesn't come from being dressed as Obi-Wan Kenobi. It comes from not getting paid to be dressed <laughs> as Obi-Wan Kenobi. Does that right, make any right. sense? Yeah. Like cosplay is an amateur thing. I mean, there are professional cosplayers, but I'm like uh, embarrassed to be playing a character I'm not getting paid to play, if that yeah. makes any sense. Just like yeah, I don't sure. really like to meet celebrities unless we're working together. So the idea of standing in line and paying 50 bucks to somebody I like for them to sign my picture, I'm like, no, 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 no. I want to do lunch and talk about our latest projects. <laughs> you know, it, and it really hurts my feelings to like yeah. put myself in the fanboy spot. Would you feel that way? Yeah, I tend to avoid it. There are a couple of moments where like patheticness versus pride versus fun ran into each other this weekend that I want to talk about. I mean, going to a Comic-Con is fun as hell. And it's not like my parents brought me to a Star Trek convention when I was a kid back in the 80s when a convention was like at a greasy hotel out by the airport. Mm-hmm. And there was like a couple of stars and a couple of like scrubby comic book dealers, and it was and everybody was a shut in. Yeah, you know now there's thirty thousand people. There's hot chicks, mainstream, naked all the time. You know, in like these tiny little sexy costumes, and it's mainstream because they're talking about the Avengers. You know, you're talking about blockbuster summer movies and yeah. primetime TV shows now. Yeah, not like Star Trek that's been off the air for twenty years. You know what I mean? It's very right. mainstream. And it's hugely family-friendly. So that's the one thing. When I'm there with my daughter and everybody wants their picture taken with her because she's four years old and she's just like Ray, right? So, like, she's getting all the attention in the universe. Somebody today, listener Ryan, sent me a picture from Instagram of one of his friends who had a picture of my daughter on her Instagram. (laughs) He's like, hey, I just saw a picture of you and your kid on somebody else's Instagram that you don't know. Um but after we got home from the con, so as I'm walking around with her, I feel like a million bucks. And everybody is saying to me, you're the coolest dad. You're the coolest dad. I feel great. We go home. I drop her off. She's going to have dinner with Ethan. And Ethan's dad and I are going to have some, have some drinks and unwind a little bit after. So she goes with the mom and the other kids to play. We stop in Whole Foods to get some craft beer. I'm still dressed as Obi-Wan Kenobi. Huh. And the difference between having your kid and not having your kid is the difference between being the coolest dad in the world and a very sad 40-year-old. Right, because it's March. It's, it's not, not October. Like, yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that would be really strange. Now, I will say that the day before, one well, of the first day of the con, when I got out of the car, a lady walking her dog ran right up and asked to take her picture with us and said, how was the con? So a lot of people in Chicago knew there was a Comic-Con because it's yeah. humongous. You know, it's one of the biggest cons in, mm-hmm. in, in town. Um, but as I was leaving Whole Foods feeling like a freak, a dude ran up to me, an employee ran up to me, and gave me a big dap and said, like, man, you are killing it. Like, I'm so happy to see you in that. You, that's just amazing. So that took a little of the stink off of it. But I knew as I was walking around, people were like, I hope you're introducing yourselves to your neighbors and staying 200 feet away from a grade school. <laughs> the other thing I wanted to mention to you guys and see what you thought is, you know, we talk a lot about generational stuff on this program. Um, but as you're there and it's family friendly and it's mainstream and there's a lot of um, – it's really, you know, a, a con 20 years ago was all guys. And now it seems like it's 60% women. You know, there's a huge girl yeah. power thing with people being Wonder Woman and Sailor Moon and Ray and stuff. And it's hugely GLTB friendly. And as you got closer to nighttime, a lot more drag and stuff started to happen. Yeah. Um, and there were gender neutral bathrooms. So, like, I think that because there's issues of identity involved, it's very friendly to those folks. So you're like, oh, this is great. It's everybody. It's one love. You know, and you look out and everybody's having a good time. You're like, this is just the purest fun. But then there's also moments where you look around and you go, wow, our generation is really arrested because every property is for Mm. children. Really? You know, except for maybe Game of Thrones. Everything is for family or for kids. And, you know, only a sixth, an eighth, a tenth of the people have kids with them. So I'm not harshing on the people who are dressed up or who are having fun who don't have kids. I, I think it's great. But I do, generationally speaking, I'm like, is this awesome that none of us grew up? Because it means we're still in touch with our childhood and we're not pretending and, like, we're embracing this pure joy? Or do we desperately need a Vietnam? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Because I, I, I don't know. I guess the question is, is the next generation going to do that? Are they going to, is this going to, I mean, I guess it's only going to grow and grow. 
I don't know. Maybe they'll swing back. Maybe they'll be like, oh, yeah. Oh, the Gen Xers, they love to dress up like He-Man and go to a convention center. It's so weird. We're sober-minded <laughs> post-millennials. I don't know. Well, I don't know. I don't know if, well, they didn't have their war either. Oh, right. So maybe there's no. Right. Maybe there's no difference. Maybe they stay in fan Yeah, I guess until there's something to interrupt their enjoyment of that stuff. You know what I mean? Like, as long as it's. Until the water runs out or yeah. the Trump war starts. <laughs> the Trump wars. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, like I said, there's nothing is there to interrupt their enjoyment of that. Those, as long as those are available and they can go to them and they will stay fans of those shows. You know, they're also growing up as, you know, kind of as we did with the Star Wars, you know, with the Star Wars new again. So that's a whole new generation of people to grow up in that world. And they're going to get a new movie every year and a half for the rest of their lives, you know, right? between that and the Marvel movies. And all that stuff is, you know, all, the most popular movies are are these. They're all fantasy, sci-fi stuff. They're not. No one's going to the Bridge of Spies convention, right. you know, dressing up as Tom Hanks. Like that's not <laughs> right. And as many people are going to go to Batman v Superman this weekend as they're going to go to every sporting event in the country. Mm-hmm. So it's not right. just a geek thing; it's everybody. Yeah, I, mean, I tend to think it's a good thing. So until you there's know? something major, you know, in in culture or in globally that that interrupts. Like where you go, okay, it's really not appropriate for me to spend my time or money on this anymore. Mm. I need I need to donate all my Star Trek medallions to the war effort <laughs> so they can be <laughs> melted down into bombs. Right. <laughs> no, that's a good point. I mean, you'll know when we're on hard times whenever people stop dressing up like Ewoks. <laughs> because it's a sign that we've got less problems. Uh-huh. You know? I, that's exactly it, right. Yeah, when people need to burn their Groot costume for warmth, then something's bad. But as long as you're like, hey, man, it's the weekend. I'm going to dress up like... Uh, sexy Chewbacca. And right. I'm going to go meet some stormtroopers. I'm going to go spend 50 bucks for a signature from Gil Gerard or Sergeant Slaughter. Yeah. Is he still around? I uh, just met him. Wow. <laughs> you ask him to have lunch, you can talk over your latest projects. That's right. You probably lost your mind, though, because of the G.I. Joe stuff. Yeah, last year there were a lot more. I saw like a squad of G.I. Joe cosplayers that were awesome. This time I just saw sort of a sad looking Sergeant Slaughter selling uh, autographed Legos for a preposterous amount of money. But yeah, there's, there's, no, there was G.I. Joe stuff. There were pterodromes in the box you could buy everywhere for sure. It's all there. Um, it's amazing how much of it is 80s oriented. Did you find Dave's Death Star? Oh, I'm sure it was there. You got an extra grand. Yeah, so much of it is from the 80s. What was it about the 90s? Why was it such a terrible era for sci-fi and film? Yeah, there's not much. I mean, it's not like nobody's dressed as Captain Planet. I guess right. there's Power Rangers. That's more 90s, right? People are dressed yeah. as Power Rangers. And that yeah. Was yeah. Next, for that. next like, generation was 90s. You know, Star Trek well, Next true. Generation. Yeah. That, that was probably the, you know, the most popular sci-fi of that time of the 90s. That's true. Trek's in a little bit of a waning period right now. I think there's going to be a new TV show in the fall. A new movie coming out, so maybe next con there'll be Star Trek, but it was all wars, no Trek this weekend. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Why would they you know, bother to make a movie whenever they're, they're just going to lose out to Star Wars right now? Right. I, mean, I tell you, you know, with all the talk about where's Rey and girl power and are the girls in Star Wars, I'm like, ah, oh, shut up. But when I saw that half the women there were dressed as Rey, mm-hmm. it kind of made me go, oh, they, there, was a, there was a need for this. I don't know if need yeah. is the right word. But, like, it means something. All these women are like... Well, there was a market for it. Right. They're like, we want to dress up like a female hero. Where's our person to follow? So making the main character, basically, of Star Wars be a chick, it hit its mark. Well, where's where's a where's a cosplay that, you know, someone can take on that's got more than 70% of their body covered, you know? Like, yeah, you know, I saw there were a couple of Amidalas yeah. walking around with the midriff out, and I thought, yeah. oh, look, Ray, you don't have to have a flat tummy. <laughs> right. <laughs> and even that was just sort of a pandering to what? I don't know. Yeah, that was, uh, I mean, obviously, I don't mind looking at Natalie Portman's stomach, but even at the time, even when, like, the CGI monster clawed her midriff away, everybody in the theater went, doy, like, yeah, so just, obvious. Yeah. So, so extreme, so like '90s extreme. Like, look at my outfit that's got all the abs out. Like, come on, come yeah. On. They basically dressed her as like a slutty Princess Leia, and it was so obvious. You know, it like yeah, mm-hmm. no, yeah. it was uh, yeah. They were trying to 
recreate the sexuality of Princess Leia through this through her mom, who was in the through middle of a battle. I, I, through a battle, I don't. It didn't make any sense. No, I mean there was episode two, which didn't make any sense. Right, anyway. it was like embarrassing to be turned on because you know they were trying too hard. Right, like when a stripper walks into your living room and you're like, oh, I feel like a child right now. Right. All right. Do I need to say woo? Should I say woo? Well, folks, it's time for another episode of the Paternity Test to get its affairs in order and then eat Chipotle. Follow us on Twitter at the Dad Test. Like us on Facebook. You can visit our website, paternitypodcast.com, or email us at paternitypodcast at gmail.com. Catch us Tuesdays at chicagoparent.com and call our voicemail, 657-BAD-DADS. Tell your friend about the show. And consider a donation to the show via our PayPal link at paternitypodcast.com. All right, everybody. Remember, no matter how many bags of pork rinds you buy on your next trip to buy some picture wire, the credit card statement's still just going to say Menards. And until next time, best of luck passing the paternity test. (laughs) 